0: everybody, to the Big Dudes in the Trenches podcast. This is episode 153, uh, heading out of the second week of college football and out of the first week of NFL action. Dude, this I don't is... know
1: if I have ever seen this crazy of one week of football
0: in my life. I know. I know. Everything about this weekend was insane for multiple reasons that we're going to talk about in entirety. Uh, You will notice Bug's not with us. He's not going to be with us for the next two weeks, actually. Work schedule issues. But, you know what? We're still the BDT. And we still got plenty of NFL and college news and games and stuff to be talking about.
1: So let's not waste any time. Let's jump right on into it.
0: I'm right there with you. What do you got?
1: All right. Starting with the NFL news here, or the NFL in general. As you may or may not know, um, I hope you do, but Monday Night Football is on. Denver is at Seattle. We are watching it live as we stream. Uh, you mm-hmm. might be able to see a peek of it behind me. Hopefully not. No, not too much. <laughs> you, can't, you, you can kind of see the TV, but not entirely. Um, we will be reacting to it. I can tell you right now, just watching the first quarter, Denver does not look good. They have what seems to be some massive offensive line issues. And frankly, Seattle looks like it hasn't missed a beat without Russ. Um, I don't know. This 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 will. might be a uh, another head turner from this weekend.
0: I mean, we liked Geno Smith when he came in, in relief of Russell Wilson last year. Yep. But also, now he's had a whole offseason under his belt as kind of the QB one, I guess. <laughs> I mean, Drew Locke apparently never really stood a chance. You know, speaking of Denver and
1: teams that look bad, I, I need to shout out uh the AFC South. They pulled off something that frankly I didn't even know was possible. Um, not a single team in the NFC South Sa- or AFC South won a game this weekend. And two of them played against each other. That's right. The Titans lost, the Jaguars <laughs> lost, and the Texans and Colts tied, which means the team we all have pegged for probably the number one overall pick is is in a tie for first place in the AFC South. Welcome to football. I love everything about this.
0: It's still not as crazy as college football.
1: That's the best part. Hey, 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 we'll get there later. Don't need to rush it. (laughs) All right. Unfortunately, as with any football uh, year, uh, there were some injuries in week one, uh, some significant ones. I'm just going to touch on a few of them. Uh, mostly the ones that are our bigger name here, uh, bigger names here with major injuries. Uh, for instance, TJ Watt out of Pittsburgh has a partially torn pectoral. It is a better diagnosis than initially expected. However, they don't know when he's going to return to the field. Uh, another major uh, injury this year is Elijah Mitchell, uh, and he's been a fantasy favorite for many of uh, many of uh, owners for the last last year and this year. Uh, He is going to miss six to eight weeks with a sprained MCL, which is a real shame because, frankly, in that first drive out of Chicago, he looked real good. Uh, And then Dak, on the opposite end, was not looking good and said, you know what, I'm just going to take a few weeks off. And by a few weeks, I mean he fractured his thumb, went in for surgery, and he is going to miss a good amount of time. Uh, We are not sure on that full timetable yet. I would expect about that six to eight-week time frame again.
0: But yeah, you that's what know. I saw initially, but they hadn't done x rays yet, I don't think. So,
1: the the well,
0: x rays or not, they uh, he had surgery this morning, it was successful. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I when I saw six to eight weeks, that was like the sideline medical evaluation, I think. Yeah, so I mean, crazy, they got it probably right.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it, what's crazy is Jerry Jones told
0: reporters after the game
1: that Dak was going to need surgery. Um, either way, that is brutal and then with with the type of injury that it is uh so if this is my right hand it's kind of down up in this area uh, right where the thumb meets the palm um, the tough part with that is is you don't know what you're getting back from that quarterback even if they come back at that initial timetable because that strength and that that hand's not going to be there the the grip strength is going to be the concern not long term but at least for an additional i'd say
0: about four weeks after that after the recovery Good thing he's not a good quarterback to begin with. (laughs) Am I right, Cowboys haters? (laughs) But you know who is
1: good? I got a couple players who are good. Their teams recognize it, and they got paid. Doug, you will appreciate this, because I remember you talking about him coming out of Notre Dame uh, as an offensive guard prospect a few years back, but Quentin Nelson finally got paid off his rookie deal. Uh, Quentin Nelson and the Colts agreed to a four-year extension. For $80 million with $60 million guaranteed. This matters because he is now the highest paid offensive guard
0: in NFL history. Yeah, he's also one of the best guards in NFL history. So <laughs> checks. He is worth every cent that they paid him. Uh, he might be the second best player on that team. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Darren Waller also got paid. Uh, not not record-setting pay, uh, payday like Quentin Nelson got, uh, but the Raiders have recognized his talent as one of the best receiving tight ends in the NFL uh, and have agreed to Darren Waller on a three-year contract extension worth $51 million. Not a bad payday for him either.
0: Yeah, I think the guaranteed money is really low on this. I know Darren Waller is a little bit older, so it makes sense, but yeah, I don't see any reason why he won't be there for another three years, you know? And then finally, we
1: have another player who could have gotten paid, but said, no, I want more of that bag. I want a guaranteed Uh, Lamar Jackson declined, reportedly declined a $290 million offer from the Ravens. Uh, Would have been a six-year extension, I believe, with 133 guaranteed. They did not come to terms on that. He wants more guaranteed. I get it. Uh, The issue is he's looking more in that Deshaun Watson contract of fully guaranteed, and the Ravens don't want to commit to that, which I also understand. Uh, This payday would have put him in the range of Patty Mahomes and Kylo Murray on average annual value. Uh, But either way, it doesn't matter. He did not sign it, and they have now officially passed his deadline for contract extension. The season has started. He will not talk to the Ravens, supposedly, uh, until the end of this year, Uh, which, again, I said this last week, I'll say it again, I like the focus on the season, but I'm also not a fool when I know his agent is working backdoor conversations with the Ravens. Um, Even if it's against Lamar's wishes, that's what his agent wants because that's how the agent gets paid.
0: I have a crazy theory that may sound like a joke if you've listened to a few of our recent episodes i've been making jokes about everybody going to the dolphins but it is possible that lamar jackson just wants to be in miami now i would also say i agree with him that this contract is not good enough compared to the current quarterback market lamar jackson has won an mvp award kyler murray has not lamar jackson has won you at least one playoff game kyler murray has not why are you offering him the same money as a dude who had to be told to study film? Cause Lamar Jackson has gotten better in every aspect of his game since he's been at league
1: So now the caveat, I'm gonna, the caveat I'm going to throw there is you're bringing up Kyler Murray as if that's the only comparison. This is also Patty Mahomes money. He has done all of those things and more.
0: Uh, yeah, but that contract was signed long enough ago that it's not the benchmark <laughs> for the position anymore as crazy as that is.
1: I love that we're three years into a
0: 10 year, $500 million contract. I'm going, that doesn't count anymore. <laughs> it, that's the way the market works. When Deshaun Watson got that guaranteed money. I mean, everybody's going to have to do something.
1: Now I will give you some empirical evidence as to what you're saying about Lamar going to Miami, potentially being true. Uh, Behind Baltimore, Miami has the second highest odds uh, for a Lamar Jackson landing spot if he
0: hits free agency. Absolutely. Absolutely. It makes complete sense. I mean, Tua is still a question mark, right? And. Though I think he put
1: some of those question marks away this week. Not a fantastic game, but a solid game. That being said, Russell Wilson said.
0: 220 mil guaranteed to Lamar Jackson erases some of those question marks, <laughs> yeah, but it raises others.
1: Uh, Russell Wilson has decided <laughs> that um, he's tired of the Broncos looking like trash and just threw a touchdown pass to Jerry Judy. I heard it.
0: Heard it. Jerry Jones. Get him no, Jerry Judy.
1: <laughs> All right. I said it was wild week of football. And before we get into our reviews, I do got to say, what is going on with these kickers, man? You know, some of them I will give a pass to. Uh, Any kickers in the Chicago game? That was a monsoon. Not judging you on two missed kicks.
0: No, it was a slip and slide. That was at the end of the game. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh, For Evan McPherson missing, missing two kicks, one was blocked, and one was with an emergency long snapper. All right, man, I'll give you the pass on that. Right. But discounting those, we have 11 missed kicks, excluding Monday night football in week one. Dude,
0: what is going on? I don't know, but I also don't want to hear the college kickers bullshit ever again. This is every kicker. You're going to hear this every week. NFL kickers suck too. A hundred (laughs) percent. That's what you, we learned.
1: You know who doesn't suck as a kicker?
0: Justin Reed. Justin
1: Reed. <laughs> the, look, Bug was joking about this this weekend, but there is some legitimate thought that maybe the Chiefs just cut Harrison Bucker and stick with Justin Reed. That frees up another roster spot. You, you've got a good safety, a solid kicker in one player. That's a win.
0: Back in the olden days, there Used to be uh, kickers playing other positions all the time.
1: Yeah, I remember Sid Uh, Lockman punting. Yeah,
0: and uh, George Blanda was a kicker (laughs) as well. I mean, all sorts of nonsense. Let's bring back leather helmets while we're at it. Why not? But let us get into (laughs) our games.
1: I'm down with it. I don't think the Health and Safety Committee would be down with it, but I am down with it. But let's get into our games. Oh, and here we are.
0: Yeah, uh, so we didn't pick primetime Thursday night because we were live during Thursday night. Also, we can't tell you how Monday night has ended because it's live right now. So all we can really talk about here for our picks would be Sunday night game, uh, which, yeah, did
1: not look good for the Cowboys. I would argue it didn't look good for the Buccaneers either.
0: I would argue that it doesn't matter because it's week one, and Tom Brady almost never looks good week one, and Bug was right to pick the Cowboys for that reason, and yet the Cowboys look worse. So so here's my thing. I'm not worried about Tom Brady looking good.
1: I'm worried about the free will, the free pass Micah Parsons had into that backfield the entire game. Now, I understand. Kid's a generational talent, right. outsta- elite edge rusher. I get it. But there are some serious question marks on that Buccaneers offensive line, and they were not answered in the slightest.
0: I mean, fair, but also, like, it's Michael Parsons. So, (laughs) and they won. So,
1: I mean, you're right. They won. They had four field goals, one missed field goal, and one
0: touchdown. Uh, Wow. Looking looking like Iowa out there. What a game. Um, no, you, you imagine this Iowa Hawkeyes team with Tom Brady, though. Golly. Now, I, I will say this I will say this
1: the Buccaneers defense this year already looked much better than it did last year, so that is gives you some reason for hope. I just I'm worried about that offensive line, and again, yeah, Tom Brady's Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is also 45, and if he gets hit too much, I don't care how much he drops down and protects himself somebody's going to land one at some point this year, and that can go
0: very, very poorly. Well, we were watching this game, and you said it. He looks 45 now for the first time ever. Dude, he... there are things I
1: want to say, but I cannot on the air. So I'm not going to. We're just going to move on to our next
0: set of games here. Chat that checks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Joe Flacco did not win his revenge game. Nor did Baker Mayfield. Right. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, the the Vikings dominated. So interesting. I will say it took the Ravens a bit to get
1: going. They did not show up until the second half. But once they turned it on, they turned it on.
0: Um, yeah. I, I will also say I didn't get to see any of that game. Uh, do we know how the rookies did? Because there were some question marks with that draft class. So from some NFL executives, anyway. There's a lot of boomer bust prospects there, like Kyle Hamilton. I have you know. not
1: gone back and looked at stats. I know there were some decent um, interceptions. Uh, I don't know who got them. That went on both sides of the ball. Sauce did not get them. Um, but yeah, I would need to go back and look at the exact stats to break it down.
0: Also, I know for a fact that Jair Alexander did not get any of those because, oh my gosh, it looks like he didn't show up to the field. Um, Did did
1: the Packers not know that Justin Jefferson still plays for Minnesota? I don't think they were aware, but I think they know now. Other than Aaron Rodgers looking like typical week one Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson completely forgetting how to catch his first NFL touchdown. Um Nothing else went right for the Packers. Uh, and it's weird that I said, hey, Aaron Rodgers was standard and your rookie dropped a pass as the things that went right. <laughs> <laughs> Jair Alexander was so, – so here's my issue. Jair Alexander did not follow Justin Jefferson around the field. He was not right. manned up and given that assignment. I think he covered him once or twice throughout the game and, while well, Justin Jefferson made him look like a fool both times.
0: One of the like, greatest tweets of all time about this game, Jair Alexander posted a selfie before the game started. He's in the zone. Guy replied, maybe you should have been in man. (laughs) That's amazing.
1: (laughs) I don't know. There's a lot of question marks here, but people who are reporting that the Vikings were going to have a new offense that was more centered around passing, less around the run game, they definitely showed more of a balance. And those high-low concepts they were running, Justin Jefferson got on after, and I think the post-game interview was like, I was surprised at how much field was in front of me. Like, he would catch the ball, and and there would just be nobody there, and he'd be like, is this a scrimmage?
0: Like Week one looking real good for my Justin Jefferson Offensive Player of the Year pick. Let's keep it up. (laughs) Uh, But also, um, yeah, the the Browns-Panthers was a lot closer than it had any right to be. And yet the Browns broke the curse technically a rookie record. The Browns broke the curse. Resulted in the first ever tweet that they were one to know in franchise history, because last time they were one to know Twitter did not exist.
1: I love it. Uh, but to bring up what you were saying, <laughs> um, the rookie record. Now, this is one of those weirdly, oddly specific records, but it does exist yes. because we know it now because somebody tweeted yes. it out. Therefore, it is true. Cade York hits the longest field goal for a rookie kicker in week one in NFL history. And that's his, his
0: team's home opener in week one in NFL history. It oh, got Jesus. more even more specific.
1: God damn. Either way, 58 yards is nothing to scoff at. That's what right. this kick was right. from. That's a that's a remarkable kick for any any kicker. Honestly, anything you're, when you're nearing sixty, you have my respect. Uh, honestly, both quarterbacks looked okay. Both running backs looked great. Um, I think Carolina's gonna be better than we gave them credit for. I think Cleveland's gonna be able to hold out a little bit longer than we thought they
0: would, uh, but only time will tell. I picked the Browns though, so suck it. Congrats. Uh, also, the picks did not go well for like most anything else. Um, I think we're all no, no. Me and you are three and one at the moment. Bug is two and two and, and two but uh Hold on. And to refresh
1: everyone's mind, we are all riding on the same yes. pick here
0: and it might not yes. go well. Uh, Gino Smith is making that look very questionable. Those neons must be doing something for (laughs) him. These neon green jerseys also really disgust me. Yes. Um, But they're a thing that exists. And that's, yep. (laughs) All right. Hey, man, if you're cool with it, I'm going to hit us real
1: quick on our starts and sits of the week.
0: Yeah, go for it. I have nothing to add here. I'm going to be honest, though.
1: Sweet. All right. So we, as a podcast, told you to sit Robert Woods, and boy, I cannot high five Bug enough for this pick. Uh, he told you to sit Robert Woods, and if you sat him, you are a happy person. Uh, came into the came into the uh, matchup projected for 11 points. He left the matchup with 1.8 points on fantasy. Uh, that is in half PPR scoring, uh, so 2.3 if you uh, go full PPR scoring. That being said, there he's no not the PP. wide receiver one. They want to feed Traylon Burks. Uh, maybe that changes here, but they definitely want to feed Traylon Burks here moving
0: forward. I mean, maybe it should change. <laughs> Oof, losing the Giants. Uh, that's more on the defense than on the offense, though. It's on everyone.
1: All right. Our start of the week for wide receiver was scary, Terry McLaurin. And it was a solid start. Carson Wentz actually looked really good in week one. Uh, that's something I haven't been able to say since about his rookie year in Philadelphia. 313 yards, four touchdowns. No picks. And, and Terry came out and performed to his projection. So if you were counting on him in a slot spot, you are a happy person again. Uh, oh, I came two in picks.
0: with... My bad. <laughs> came in Came in with There's 12. Person,
1: finished the game with 12.8 fantasy points, half PPR scoring. And 12.6 was the projection. Hey, if you meet your projection in fantasy football, that's that's a solid game.
0: I know, because the projections are always like stupid high for some reason for like everybody all the time. <laughs> fantasy is weird. <laughs> and,
1: and moving on down to our running backs, our sit of the week was Damian Harrison. I got to say... I like this one. He was a semi-productive on the ground, didn't really do much in the passing game, finished the game with 6.8 points out of 9.3 projected, so about 67%. Not the best sit, but also when you're getting single digits out of your running back, that's not what you want to see. Right. That's a win to sit him down. On the other hand, Kenny Gamewell nearly doubled his projection in his start of the week for us here. Now, the big thing to note is Kenny Gamewell is in a three running back committee here, and you're banking on touchdowns for him to be fantasy relevant. That being said, all of the Eagles running backs scored a touchdown, so they were all fantasy relevant. Uh, nice. Came in with 5.5 projected, left with 10.2 on the fantasy scoreline. That's a win. And when you're putting him in and you're getting double-digit points out of Kenny Gamewell, that's probably an emergency start, and you are happy you're getting that.
0: Yeah, and that means Fantasy Forecast is 4-0 so far this year, which is incredible. (laughs) I love it, man.
1: I love it. All right, I'm going to hand it over to you
0: Okay, take care of our NCAA news. Okay. All right. This is a, a lot of pressure. Yeah, so we have a new top 25. Um very much looking forward to this one because reasons. Uh, <laughs> if you watch games this weekend, you will know something several about the of those belt. reasons. Um, so, yeah, we do have a new number one. That is Georgia. According to all three of but, us here at BDT, Georgia how should can have been Alabama, number one
1: all along. But how can Alabama drop after a win?
0: They didn't drop. They're the new number zero, which is a special designation specifically invented this week by the AP poll for Alabama because they're permanently the best of all time, forever.
1: I don't don't know if that's how number zero counts, but I'm down with it. I'll, I'll support no, you. No,
0: Alabama's number two. Uh, Ohio State's still number three. The team up north is number four, and number five is still Clemson. I guess there's kind of nothing you can do with the team up north and with Clemson, seeing as how they played uh, practically scrimmages this week looking at you Furman. hey 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 that
1: team up north finally has a quarterback though
0: that is true they did name jj mccarthy as their actual full-time starter i already hate that we're talking about this so i say we should move on all right hold on let me just say one thing
1: okay i don't understand why this was even a doubt in jim harbaugh's mind Cade McNamara made it very abundantly clear through two games who the starter should be. Um, And J.J. McCarthy outperformed him in just about every possible metric.
0: Sounds like somebody's coach's favorite, and it's not J.J. McCarthy. (laughs) Facts. (laughs) Um, I think we're going to talk about Quinn Ewers a little bit more in a little bit here, Mm -hmm. but... We have to go ahead and say up top he is out four to six weeks with a clavicle sprain. Never heard of a clavicle sprain before. I, I
1: got to say they are extremely lucky because everything yes. on that play looks like that was a broken collarbone.
0: Yes, which. Yeah, um, we'll talk a lot more about that in a minute, but let's go ahead and wrap up some other news first. Mark Stoops is now the winningest head coach in Kentucky football history. They are officially a football school. And also, <laughs> Mark Stoops just passed Bear Bryant on total wins at Kentucky. That is crazy. Sorry, I was just high-fiving, high-fiving myself
1: for being the only one to pick Kentucky in that matchup. Spoiler, but. Yeah. Chalk went up
0: for the good guys. Okay. I thought we were all Americans here.
1: No, I don't think any of us have been all American ever.
0: The sun belt is a thing that happened no, this week. No,
1: the sun belt has officially been renamed by us here at BDT, the fun belt.
0: Uh this might be what you may call blood week. Um yeah, Abstate beat a top 10 team. Marshall five. beat a top 10 team. High five. Georgia Southern got a coach fired.
1: <laughs> Honestly, anybody from Georgia State, including Clay Helton, can go to Nebraska, and I think everybody over there will be high-fiving them.
0: I just can't believe that after that performance against North Carolina, App State was able to defense a win out there. No, no.
1: They were able to defense a win by offense.
0: Um, Texas A&M was held to under 100 yards rushing, which is not Texas A&M.
1: They had 18 minutes of the ball. App State held the ball for three quarters. That's why I said said App State offensed their way to a defensive win.
0: I mean, yeah, it was unreal. Also, yeah, Marshall beating Notre Dame is insane. I don't even know what to think about that right now. Marcus Freeman is the first Notre Dame coach to ever start his tenure at Notre Dame 0 3. Uh and this, also I really of, wish I really wish I would have picked Stephen Gilmore as my prospect to watch this week. Wow, looks just like his brother.
1: This this Notre Dame game very much looks like a team that sat back on itself after they they claimed the moral victory. We held Ohio yeah. State to only an eleven point win. Let's high five ourselves and take the week off against Marshall. And now you're sitting at zero and two. Um, you you can't take weeks off in college football. Notre Dame, I'm sorry, you blew your chance at the playoffs. I I can't. I I can't even talk about it. Like they are that bad.
0: I mean. It's very possible, not likely at all. It is possible that Notre Dame turns this around and starts beating teams by like fifty plus every single week for the next ten weeks.
1: If their two losses, if their two losses were to Alabama and Ohio State, I'd be like, Yeah, you know what? They got a shot. Losing to Marshall being your second loss, dude, I don't I don't see it. Even if they do come around and start whooping teams, I just I can't Maybe- see it.
0: Maybe Marshall Sunbelt champs this year. And remember, Ohio State won the national championship after a loss to Virginia Tech earlier in the season when they went 6-6. and So, I just... Shit happens. (laughs) Uh, But we did say Georgia Southern cost a coach his job. That coach in question would, of course, be Scott Frost. Uh, Yeah. Nebraska started chanting about how he should be fired. Uh, which I kind of feel bad for him about because that is his alma mater, and he won a national championship there as a player. Also, yeah, you need it to. It was time for him to go, for sure.
1: <laughs> okay, so we we talked about this with the 1972 Dolphins of how many one score games can you win? The question then became for the for the, the Cornhuskers is how many one score games can you lose? You Apparently, go up with all of them. I was going to say you go up with less than ten minutes to go we're up less than 1 minute to go. Right. You fu- you get you score fantastic, you're up. And your defense can't hold Georgia Southern. Like yep. you we can say it's the offense all day. Yep. This was also Nebraska's first loss at in Lincoln after scoring more than 35 points. Something is broken.
0: Yeah, I mean a lot of things are broken apparently. Um including Nebraska's hiring practices, question mark? Not anymore. They fixed that. Mickey Joseph, the new interim head coach, is the first ever African-American head coach at Nebraska for any sport ever. Uh, Can't wait for him to get replaced by Urban Meyer, the whitest dude of all time. I don't know. I think this weekend he might be able to solidify
1: his job as the permanent head coach.
0: Nebraska loves
1: Nebraska True. loves their alma mater, guys, and he True. is fired up for this game.
0: That is that is a fact, and this is uh, one of the biggest weeks in his life. <laughs> in Oklahoma, dear Lord, look out! You're, um, you're an interim coach. Your job interview starts now. Uh, how about this weekend? <laughs>
1: Are you kidding me? They're watching his practices. <laughs> well, his preparation.
0: Uh, So I said it was blood week. Three games doesn't make a blood week. We also had to have some FCS over FBS wins, which we definitely had. Uh, Holy Cross beat Buffalo, for example. Uh, Incarnate Word looks insane. They scored 55 points on Nevada, which, like, Nevada's not great. But at the same time, is Incarnate Word actually, like, pretty good? That might be a thing still even after losing their coach and quarterback. Uh, We also had like Kansas over West Virginia this week. (laughs) Um, They're a football school now too. Yeah, apparently. Lance Leopold is like working some magic. Not going to lie, that is insane. I don't think Kansas has ever been this successful. Like out of nowhere. Last time they were in the top 25, it felt like they took a couple of years to build up, and it was like we well, can kind of see the groundswell. This has just been immediate out of nowhere. The same guys they had last year when they were losing all the time, but they beat Texas, and now they're just two and oh for some reason and alone atop the Big 12.
1: Yep, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I hate to keep referencing great tweets that I saw This all this episode has been so far but I did see this West Virginia guy say, you know, the real joke is Kansas is actually fantastic and we're going to go 8-4 and four still <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Oh man what a week of college football so I think it's time to get into our games uh, that we had previewed we, of course, have our ranked versus ranked matchups in the games that we selected to talk about. But before we do that, I think we ought to bring in our guest this episode. He is the leader of the Tide World Order. It's a blog site. It's also a great Twitter account. Not only that, he's also the leader of the Clutch Sports Network, which is incredible. Need to follow that on Twitter. He also contributes to Saturday Blitz for Fan cited, which is one of my favorite off-season websites. So this dude hits all of the check marks. Also, he's like a great person, apparently. Um, <laughs> he has this organization that helps orphans. Like, dude, how amazing can one man get? Uh, Alabama fan and great sports writer. Can't believe we have him on the show. Welcome, Mr. Rick Morton.
2: What's up guys? How are you? Good man, how are you? Fantastic. Man, doing great. I uh have been looking forward to uh coming on with you. I mean, crud, like I was all set to come on and then had a kidney stone, right? So unreal. Talk about awful timing. Uh so I'm I'm glad to say that I'm healthy and ready to go and uh first weekend of college football. Like what what in the world, man? I heard you guys Heard a little bit on the on the run up while I was sitting in the in the green room and uh, what like what's going on this week? I don't know, but I love every second of it. <laughs> I think that's the only way to answer that. <laughs> As an Alabama fan, I felt like crap at about uh, probably two o'clock or so, uh, and then understandable. But man, my day got so much better after that. Um, <laughs> You know, because I looked around and I'm going, uh, well, I, we could be a and m we could be Notre Dame, we could be uh you know we could be Florida. we could be, it just the list goes on, and uh what a what an incredibly weird uh kind of week one of college football. so uh, you know, feeling pretty good about things right now
1: yeah i I've been saying that the entire weekend it has been nuts in college football, but. And I gotta say, I'll, I'll lead with this, man. I'm I'm glad to see that that you and every other Alabama fan that I know of has recovered from the heart attacks that that had <laughs> happened in that game. Uh, but what were your initial impressions, uh, at least as the game was going on? What what went right? What what really plagued the tide oh, in gosh. this game?
2: You know, I, I mean, first of all, I I think um, it was super optimistic to think that this was going to be, you know, the that the tide was going to have a uh, you know, what was the spread 20 or 21 going into the game? I saw um, 21. Yeah. That just didn't seem very much. realistic to me. Um, right. especially because, um, you know, Sark really knows, uh, he's, you know, he's had, he's had the inside track and, 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 you know, quite frankly, Texas had the opportunity to spend pretty much the off season game planted for Alabama. And so, you know, I, I wasn't surprised, um, that, that they threw some stuff at us, um, you know, our our big question marks. I still think are on offense. Um, the defense. The defense played terrible, um, and I think they would be the first ones to tell you that. Um, you know, they were they were undisciplined. They, I think, they let the environment get in their heads. I mean, when in the world do you of, ever a expect lot of it? emotional penalties out of the defense. I would say, yeah. You know, like when when do you expect you're going to see Will Anderson have three offsides calls, right? right. Like it, it's right. just, I mean, and 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 so I think I, at this point, I think you can look at what happened on the defensive side of the ball and and just chalk that up to being an anomaly. I think they'll get it right. I, I think um, the guys that they have and the leadership they have on the defensive side of the ball will um, will ultimately rule the day. I think the concern really is on the offense and. And they showed probably the thing that nobody's talking about, or at least there's not there's not been a lot I've even, you know, even as I've been looking around today and looking at some of the other writers and people that cover Alabama, nobody's talking about the offensive line. And and I think I you know, we came came out scared to death of our offensive line after after the spring game. Um, And we all try to make ourselves feel better about it by um, kind of whistling in the dark and saying, hey, we had guys out. You know, it's a patchwork. We, you know, we're bringing in Tyler Steen from, uh, you know, from Vandy um, or or from, you know, like the that they're all all of these excuses and all of these things. But but the truth is um, our offensive line just played bad. Um, and I think, the, the to me, the microcosm of the whole game, you could boil it down to the fourth and one play toward the end of the ball game. And, and to see that, basically, uh, we double-teamed Texas their nose guard, and and he took on two guys and flattened them. And, and any time, I mean, if we've got 700 pounds of man up against 300 pounds, you know, 350 pounds of man, and we can't hold the line in that, um, something is, something's wrong and something's majorly wrong. And so I, I think, you know, it remains to be seen. I mean, obviously we have, you know, we have new coaching in that area. It, it's kind of a complete turnover from where we've been in the past. But if, as an Alabama fan, I am extremely uneasy um, because uh, because I, I think, you know, our run game, we, we really have gone into the year expecting that Jameer Gibbs would be, a huge shot in the arm we've expected that you know getting mcclellan back is going to be a a big deal and that we were going to be able to run the ball this year better than we did last year uh but we're not going to be able to run it anywhere if if we can't get the offensive line play back together um you know the other piece of it is is just the the big question marks at receiver and and i think what we didn't see saturday is and and some of this is because you know just because of of the offensive line play and the lack of protection but um it doesn't look like right now um, that we have anybody that can take the top off the defense and with Jojo Earl hurt um, and, and the fact that, you know, the one guy that we have, that's kind of the, the, the burner is uh, you know, not being in there. it, It doesn't really look like anybody else is poised to step in and take that role.
0: So this is something I've noticed with Alabama just in the past two, three years, they've really been stockpiling high-level transfers
2: mm-hmm.
0: at, a, at a rate that is unparalleled any other college in the sport. And I feel like a lot of the times it's trying to cover up recruiting misses.
2: Mm-hmm. So like
0: Jameer Gibbs, like all the wide receivers they've had to bring in the past few years, there hasn't been a Devontae Smith come naturally like there was yeah. when Devontae Smith came. So it's just meal kind of working the receiving core together which scares me for Alabama as well I'm just curious what do you think about how Alabama's been handling
1: I think our guest just had a uh just glitched out hold on I'm sure he'll be back in a minute
0: I was I was building towards an interesting question too
2: yep he's back man like I don't know what happened the internet just glitched I think Nick Saban must have unplugged my modem uh right <laughs> question you know um i i think you know i think you're i think you're on to something i mean um and and i and i don't know that that's because i think a lot of people want to chalk that up to um sabin's age they want to chalk it up to you know to his inability to to, to recruit um i i really well, I, think I will it, i will never doubt his ability to recruit yeah, <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we, we don't either. And but I but I think the, the fact is that I mean with the with the environment we're in right now with NIL, the fact that um the, with the transfer portal and, and kind of the wild west that we find out there in college football, um Alabama has to be different. And and I think right. one of the things that gives me a lot of hope as an Alabama fan is is there's there's not been a time yet where Nick Saban's been so far behind the curve that he hasn't been able to to catch up and outpace the people around him, and and that's going to have to happen um, for for me to feel you know for, for for me to feel negatively about where we are. And so I think yeah. that I think he'll figure it out. I, I think we're we're behind in uh, in NIL. I mean I think we uh, our state legislature passed a law pretty early on here. Uh, that that I think they thought was going to be protective, and they and they thought was going to be, um, you know, good for the universities here in state. It it actually turned out to be a terrible law, and and really, um, you know, set us behind. And and so there's been a lot of work going on in state to um, to rectify the legal situation. Alabama's now, um, you know, out there with, um, and you know, there's a there's a group of boosters that are out there with a collective, and and so those things are beginning to happen. But but I'm I'm really interested to see how much uh, how much Co Saban's actually able to be influential in the next couple of years in in trying to bring some shape around what's going on um, you know within within this whole landscape because um, it, it, the the arms race is doing nothing but getting worse and uh, and and I think you can you can kind of say part and parcel that the the problem is Alabama's not been able to bring talent in and develop them. And, and it's, you know, it's hit or miss. I mean, some, you know, sometimes it, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have that, um, that Jamison Williams come in and that guy right, just right. fit and gel and, you know, be a, be a cultural fit and it's going to be okay. I you're think welcome, we're seeing the, the exact opposite right now with Tyler Harrell, um, you know, right. Tyler Harrell can, I mean, he, 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 he can play ball like we all know. And, but yet he's, he's nowhere on the depth chart. And, and the only reason for that has to be that that he's struggling to be a cultural fit. And, and he's, he's, he's just, you know, he, he, it's, it's it's great guy, wrong place. Um, Now that, I mean, who knows? He may be on the field this week and, and that may all change, but um, you know, the one thing we know about Nick Saban is if, if a guy's not fitting in and he's not doing the right thing, he's not going to see the field.
0: 100% I was say, you're welcome
2: for Jamison Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it, you know, um, I We think still claim him though. Really. If uh yeah, I know. I know. I that it's and you guys, I mean, Joe Burrow too. You guys take them all. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. All got to yeah, right. start.
0: <laughs> I think you all start claiming your guys too. I think that's kind of actually an important point it's not that you haven't been able to recruit it's not that you don't develop talent it's that once guys are second on the depth chart they want to leave and go start somewhere yeah and it's that's a pro problem with the transfer rules and nil that i don't think anyone can handle and yeah. it's not just an alabama problem so
2: well and we're not sending them to the the thing that that's interesting about that is it's not like we're sending guys to, you know, to Georgia that we don't have, we don't have players that are, you know, that are finding their way to Ohio state. And, and so it, at some point you got to figure that that's going to start to balance out a little bit. And some guys are going to start to figure out maybe if I, you know, maybe if I stay home, I think the, the perfect example this year is Drew Sanders. Um, Drew Sanders would, he would be playing and would be, he'd be getting a lot of reps at this point at linebacker. Um, but he, you know, he chose to punch out because it looked like, um uh, the, you know, the linebacker room was too loaded. And the reality is that we could probably use him and are going to be able to see the, see the need for the gap that he's left before the end of the year.
1: So I, I have one more question about the, uh, the
2: the Texas game this past
1: weekend. And Doug, I know you were saying it earlier, emotions played into it, but what sticks out to me and you you even alluded to it here, Rick was for me, it was the penalties. Um, 15 of them. That's the most in the Nick Saban era. Uh, So since 2007, so we're talking 15 iron bowls, uh, seven or eight of them at Auburn, the emotions never got to them. Then what was it about this Texas game that, that the tide lost their discipline? Like that is a stat that, I'm a I'm a Miami fan, so I've been following Nick Saban since that 06 season. And it's <laughs> it's that's just something you never see with him. So what what was the difference yeah. in this game that that forced the penalties?
2: So again, I don't like I'm I'm it sounds like I'm lining up to be that guy that, that's trying to throw cold water on Nick Saban, but but I, I mean I couldn't love a, a coach more and I couldn't believe in a coach more than you know than than I do our coach. I I think I look back into last year and I don't think this was an isolated incident. You look back at the iron bowl last year. um, We, we got out by the skin of our teeth in a game that we should have won handily um, and ended up having to go into overtime and fight. And, and, and it was because it it was because our guys didn't play well on the road. They didn't handle the environment. Well, you know, you go back and look at the Florida game last year and, and look at the performance in the swamp. That game was a whole lot closer than anybody thought it would be. And and the and really where you chalk it up is not necessarily the things Florida did on the field as as much as the fact that Alabama just didn't handle the environment very well. And so, you know, I think you can you can kind of try to explain those things away as being isolated incidents. And you can part you can point to different parts of the squad as as being those things where the breakdowns happen. But but from a from a mental discipline standpoint, there's something going on. Um, and, and they're, and they're not handling those, those in environments of adversity in ways that, te- that Saban teams have in the past. Um, that's actually a really
0: interesting point about the environment. I know that was a record crowd at Daryl K Royal mm-hmm. and, you know, Texas A&M has a bigger stadium than Bryant Denny, right? If it is long, large enough crowds with big enough crowd noise, maybe that is a factor now.
2: Well, you know, and, and at some point, um, I, I think also you, you kind of get the continuity, the loss of continuity in coordinators and, and all of that stuff sort right. of starts to come into play. Um, and I think those are the finer points of, of the places where, um, you know, where, where it begins to break down. I I think I think they'll get it together. I, I think this team is going to be okay. I think we're going to be there at the end of the year. Right. I don't really see anything on the schedule that really frightens me. Um, you know, until until we get to the SEC championship game, I, I think we're going to line up against Georgia again. Um, and 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 the fact is, the way things you know, the way things are projected, maybe we see them twice this year. Um, but uh, you know, who knows at this point. Um, we're trying to be, we're trying to be cautiously optimistic this at this point. But um, I would, I would hate to be Louisiana Monroe this weekend. That's all I can tell you. That's fair. Because um, I don't know, man.
0: Arkansas is coming for you, though. <laughs>
2: this. Well, I, you know, I have a, I have a buddy that that we kind of have this ritual. We we text all the way through the games, and and it's funny. Like even when we're sitting next to each other in the stadium, we text each other. We won't talk to each other. Um and, and, you know, and it's kind of like wearing it's like wearing your favorite T-shirt, you know, like you get that winning, you know, that winning stink on the T-shirt and then right. it's that yep. shirt until you lose again. Right. So so this is like we do the texting thing and, and he, we were going back and forth and, and and something we've said for years is I really like cranky Nick Saban. You know, I like it when yes. when we when we win and yet he's he's really just kind of nasty. Um, and he was, he was a little cantankerous going in at halftime. He was really disgusted by the time the game was over, and he was that flustered kind of throw his hands up in the air, I don't know what to do with these guys kind of Nick Saban. I, that's going to translate to what they hear in the film room. It's going to translate to what they hear on the practice field this week. Um, Dad is definitely going to going get, uh, get their attention, and, and I, I, think, I think they'll get it straight down.
0: Suffice to say, I would not want to be an Alabama football player this week.
2: No, sir.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we do have some other games we wanted to talk about with you, if you're all right with that. Yeah, sure. You're a big college football fan, Alabama in particular, but, you know, college football is college football. No no. doubt. It's my second religion for sure. (laughs) So if you want to pull up the slides, Tug, we did make some predictions for the ranked versus ranked matchups. And uh, I think everybody was wrong about Baylor, but for wow realistic reasons. Um, I mean BYU was out both their receivers, both their top two receivers. It was at BYU though, which is always a concern and should have been. Um, yeah, I, I kind of expected more out of
2: Dave Aranda in this one. Yeah, I. You know, I. It, it's just the 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 thing about dave Aranda that i i think is is interesting in the big 12 and and it, baylor in general is to have have a, a defensive guy defensive minded guy leading uh, a big 12 program because um you know they they just they don't stop anybody and and i think it it that's that sort of looks like that's still the MO at Baylor and, uh, and, and that he really hasn't, you know, meaningfully been able to, um, to change the narrative there. And, and so I, you know, I think he's a great coach and, and obviously he was somebody that was a handful for us, uh, with every defense that he put, put forth, uh, you know, at LSU, but, um, but, but I, 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 just don't know that it's not, you know, wrong situation, wrong culture, wrong context mm-hmm. for, you know, for a guy that just thinks about football differently than than the entire conference around him.
0: Well, maybe he's the next head coach of Florida because uh, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't go well in the swamp for the Gators. Uh, I <laughs> expect that. I am, I'm in Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky. And I yeah. did not expect Kentucky to win this game because when's the last time Kentucky's gone into the swamp and won a game? Yeah. Uh, the 70s? So. Wow. Wow. I mean, I (laughs) I,
2: I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you've got a you've got a quarterback who drinks mayonnaise in his coffee, right? Like there's there's something different going on in Kentucky than um, but, you know. I mean, Mark Stoops has done a great job at Kentucky, and I think he's really built something. He's done something there that nobody else has been able to do, um, you know, maybe since Bear Bryant. I mean, it is. Actually, it, literally,
0: no one else is lit- able to do it. Right. Before we, before we hopped on, we just said he's now the winningest head coach in Kentucky history.
2: It's crazy. And yeah. and I think, you know, and I think that they caught Florida. I mean, if you start thinking about all the things that were stacked up against Billy Napier in Florida Um, it, it, it's really not all that surprising. Um, you've got Kentucky on one side that's got incredible continuity in their coaching staff. They're, they're recruiting well, they've played well, they've been on the rise. Um, Billy Napier comes in, they lose a slew of transfers and, and then on, on top of that, um, they have, you know, what amounts to a short year to, to be able to get ready. And so I think, I mean, I really like Billy Napier. I, I really liked him when he was here. Uh, and I think, I think he's going to have a future of Florida. I'm not ready to, to, you know, send him down the road yet. Um, but I, but I certainly think this is one of those things. Um, I mean, we better enjoy it because, uh, because at the end of the day, uh, Florida is not going to stay there and, and they're going to figure out a way, um, you know, out of this hole. And, and I, you know, probably not this year, uh, but, uh, but, but they're going to recruit well and, and give them a year or two and they'll be back in it.
0: No, I was I was joking. I definitely have a lot of faith in Billy Napier. <laughs> I love what he did at Louisiana. So yeah. it, I think this is a slam dunk hire for Florida. Uh, also need to enjoy the other way around. I don't think Kentucky's going to be this good again for a long time. <laughs> it's true. <clears throat> the only other ranked matchup this week was Tennessee <sighs> at Pitt, uh, which was a fantastic game. Yeah. I I watched every second of it and loved every second of it even in overtime (laughs) uh i gotta say though i'm starting to believe a little bit in this tennessee offense uh they were able to out offense an acc team which you know is not something you can say every week for the middle of the road sec schools
2: so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you guys a quick joke um there was a guy who who uh, who was a huge Tennessee fan, and he had a had a dog that he used to tell all of his buddies was a bigger Tennessee fan than he is, and and so um and so one day one of his buddies that worked with him said, hey, I, I, I don't believe your dog's a bigger Tennessee fan than you are, and, and so the guy said, well, come on over and watch the game with us, and you'll see. And so he, he gets to the guy's house, and there's the dog, and the dog's, you know, like got his his uh, orange and white, you know, checkered sweater on, and the whole deal. And and sure enough, he he sits there, and. And he watches this dog as the dog watches the game and, and Tennessee, you know, Tennessee recovers a fumble and the dog is jumping around and barking and, you know, having a great time. Tennessee loses an interception and the dog's like over there whimpering with his paws over his eyes and, you know, just, he's dying. And so, so this, this old dog sitting in front of the television, Tennessee pulls out a a win by a point over, um, you know, Mercer. And, uh, and, and the dog just goes nuts. He's what he's like jumping up and chasing his tail and acting like a puppy. And, uh, and, and so the guy's friend says, man, I, I thought you were crazy, but that dog is the, has to be the biggest Tennessee fan that I've ever seen. He said, but I've got one question for you. He said, sure. He says, what does that dog do when Tennessee beats Alabama? The guy said, I don't know. Cause the dog's only 15 years old. so what i would say to that guys is is i i think i think it's good for college football for for tennessee to be good i think josh heupel is 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 great um and and i think he's bringing their program back right into the middle of the sec i'm a i'm an alabama fan um born of alabama people that grew up in tennessee and so i hate tennessee um, well, and, we'll and, right and in so the show. you're welcome back anytime, <laughs> but, but I'm going to tell you, I like college football would be better with a good Tennessee, but I'm really comfortable seeing that dog become about 25 years old. So, um, you know, but, but I, I mean, all joking aside, I think, I think Josh Hypel is, He's getting the right kind of recruits. Um, you know, they're they're beginning to they they plug the holes that have kind of plagued them for a while, and and it doesn't look like a circus there anymore. And they're gonna be good. Um, I you know, if Alabama has the same kind of uh, same kind of game that they had against Texas against Tennessee, uh, we'll get run out of the stadium. And and so um, there's you, a thought. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trusting we're going to be a little better in a few weeks.
0: I, I trust that too. <laughs> see how right. Nick Saban reacted.
1: Before we press on, we do have a question from Twitter, uh, Pan and Broncos or uh, Twitch. I'm sorry, Pan Broncos asking: Can Western Michigan beat Pitt off the second for the second straight season? With Pitt coming off the loss to Tennessee and Western Michigan coming off a conference win at Ball State, <laughs> do you guys see the upset?
0: No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I still think Pitt is actually pretty good.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it wasn't, I think Saturday, I mean, Tennessee, it's not like Pitt didn't stumble. Tennessee won the ball game, but Pitt, Pitt's a, a great ball club and, and they're going to, they're going to be fine and you're, there's no way they're losing that game. No way, I mean,
0: I right. still kinda can't believe they won the backyard brawl, so <laughs> yeah, everything's possible, I guess <laughs> all right, We'll
1: move us on to our next matchups,
0: yeah, so we kinda already talked about Alabama, Texas, uh, we all picked Alabama, but we did say it was gonna be closer than the spread, and it was a lot closer than the spread. It was actually as close <laughs> as possible um, yeah, what a. What a game. So I said we would talk about the Quinn Ewers injury later when we were talking about just general college news. I guess now's a good time to do that. Do you think the game would have turned out differently if Quinn Ewers had played the whole time? Or did you actually like what you saw at a Hudson cart?
2: Uh, You know, I I really don't know that it would have been that different. I mean, I think the... uh, you know, Texas fans, this is—I mean, it was again the the text messages that were flying around during the game. It was it was Colt McCoy two and so I think you know Texas fans, I think would love to believe that that he would have given them a better game. Um, I think actually Alabama had to the degree that they could be prepared, they were prepared for for yours, and and so I think it was a bit of a strategic advantage that um, that that they had to go out and had to face a quarterback that they really had no idea what to expect from. That's fair. Uh, able to handle both in the end, I guess, at least yeah.
0: enough. Uh, we also did want to highlight UTSA at Army, one of the better group of five <laughs> matchups this week, in our opinion. Did end up going to overtime, UTSA's second straight overtime game. Uh, Houston's second straight overtime game as well. Uh, that Houston UTSA game last week was insane. But, crazy stat out of Army. Um, Apparently, they are the most efficient passing team in all of the FBS right now. Which, yeah. (laughs) They have have the highest completion percentage and the best touchdown interception ratio and the most yards per completion if you, like, add all those stats together. The best passing team in college football right now is Army, um, which <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened in the history of college football. <laughs> but My here what we are. Stands. <laughs> the UTSA did win. It was overtime, and it was fantastic. And I am very glad I got to watch the entire thing. Uh, but then we also did highlight big rivalry game this week, and Matt Campbell got the monkey off his back. He did win a Cy Hawk for the first time and possibly the last time because he's very much now connected to the Nebraska job. Yep. I, I would love to see Matt Campbell still have to play Iowa every year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm buying Iowa State. I think, uh, I think, you know, Campbell's a great coach and, and they've, they put together a solid program and it kind of, you know, they felt for so many years now, like they've been right on the precipice of something bigger. Um, and, and kind of, you know, they, they get that one, you know, one win a year, two wins a year that, that, that nobody, nobody sees coming, you know, they're, they, they kind of against all odds, they're able to, um, you know, they're able to get in there and scrap and 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 get a victory. And so uh, pretty cool opportunity for them to be able to start off uh, start off with a win and you know to beat their 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 big rival and, as you said, probably to launch their coach right into the, uh, his next job. So
0: I loved every second of college football this week, but we only highlighted six games last episode. So I guess that's all we have to talk about here. Uh, Before we send you on your way, though, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Rick. And we do have another segment on our show that you might very well be interested in. If you want to hang out for bracket time, I think we ought to talk about this. We are in the process of narrowing down the best stadium in all the Power Five. Not only that, we have added five more to the Power Five. Of course, we had to include Notre Dame Stadium in there. Right. And we also took Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, and BYU, since they will be five very soon. And we figure by the time we do a whole bracket for every group of five school, they'll probably be in the Big 12 already. So we have narrowed it down this entire <laughs> offseason all the way down to we're at our semifinal round this week. And we have four insane matchups that we would love you to take a look at. Yeah. Let's do it. So these polls are going to go out on Twitter as we are live as well. Uh, I'll send them out as I'm reading them, or at least try to. And, Tug, if you want to send the slides. So, first up, we have Kyle Field versus the LA Memorial Coliseum. Um, are we sure about this? I think this is old slide. That should have been hidden for you. We're supposed to have Florida State and Alabama. Good, sir. That's
1: interesting because it shows hidden. I'm running into difficulties with it, so I'm going to back it
0: out for now. Fair enough. And we can just read down them. All right. So we do have Florida State and Alabama as the first matchup. Uh, Doka's Campbell (laughs) versus Bryant-Denny. Two very iconic stadiums in college football, got to say. And – I'm sure I know which way you're voting.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I can't, uh, you know, next to, next to church, Bryant Denny is, uh, is probably the, you know, the, the closest place to, uh, to God's heart as far as I know. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to have to go with
0: Bryant Denny. there. Fair enough. Uh, <laughs> next up we do have Mississippi state's Davis Wade stadium up against the Rose bowl. Uh, Actually probably going to be a lot closer on Twitter than it sounds like up top. Cause the Rose bowl has been getting us a very close matchup. Uh, those pillars are only as beautiful as the eye of the beholder, I guess. Uh, Davis Wade is a pretty unique status, but certainly looks pretty awesome.
2: And you know, you know having having been to davis wade i've i've not I've not been to the Rose Bowl. I'll go off the I'll go off of the, uh, the friends that that went out there in two thousand nine uh, you know for the national championship game and and the the thing that I hear the most about the Rose Bowl or how bad the sight lines are that uh, it's such a flat stadium and and you really like if you're if you're up in the upper rows, you're so far away from the action that you know you pretty much have to phone it in. Um, and, and so Davis Wade's a great environment, um, and they, you know, state packs that place out and, uh, you have those, uh, freaking cowbells ringing all around your head all the time. And, and so it makes it a, a pretty nasty place to go and play. Plus my wife's a Mississippi state fan. So I'm going to have to pick Davis Wade cause she might see my Twitter at some point. <laughs> 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 Third
0: matchup of the week. We do have the LA Memorial Coliseum did beat Kyle Field last week, is how I remembered that matchup. Uh and we have it going up against Nealan Stadium in the semifinal here. Uh, wow, wow. I, oh,
2: oh, I you know, I hate to do this, guys, but I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with Nealand Stadium. Um and I, the game day atmosphere in Knoxville is, as is, is really fantastic. I mean, they do, um, you know, the Vol Navy, the whole thing is, is really cool. And, um, I, I have spent, uh, some of the worst moments of my life in Neyland Stadium, thanks to, uh, 101, 2000, however many it'll hold now. So, um. I can I can say from back in the day that that used to be one of the you know one of the most raucous places to go and and was uh, just and and especially when you know when they in the big house in in Michigan were a couple of the bigger stadiums in the country and and one of a few that held over a hundred thousand people at that point.
0: Yeah, uh, we've had our struggles moving the little along ourselves, but we've kind of had to so. <laughs> Understandable. Um, and our last matchup of the week will be the Ohio State University up against the Swamp. Uh, actually, the third largest stadium in the country. You know, we were just talking about stadium is over 100,000, but then also against the Swamp. So,
2: yeah. Wow. Um, I, you know, I, like how do you it it's like one one degree of hell to the to another i think for an alabama fan uh i uh, i mean i i think you know the the swamp obviously is uh is you know is known for just the the raucous atmosphere and and the game day atmosphere but like how in the world do you do you pick against uh ohio state here i i think the horseshoe is uh, is just a, it's an iconic stadium and one of those places that just screams college football.
0: I love your answer. And with that, you are welcome back anytime you want. <laughs> well, once again, just gotta say <laughs> you're the greatest guest we've ever had on the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, but seriously I don't know thank how you. To take that.
2: I feel I feel like there I feel like I just got a couple of answers right and all of a sudden I'm vaulted to the head of the class. So <laughs>
0: Well, that's how it works sometimes. <laughs> you nailed it. This is, this is an interview right it. now. You weren't aware. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so, Rick, I've got your votes recorded for us. But like we said, those are going to be up on Twitter. Uh, I, maybe I'm overstepping my bounds here, but I know the guys and I would greatly appreciate it if you could help us get some of those tweets out there and get, some more, get some more votes on them. Because uh, this these are some brutal matchups all the way across. Yeah. I don't even know how we are going to break it down if they come to
0: ties. I don't well, know. I'd, I'd much rather it not be a tie. Every...
2: I'll be, I'll be, I'll be more than happy to, uh, to use whatever influence I have to get some more people to come in and, uh, jump in and be part of it. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, sir. I really do appreciate you joining us you guys. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time and the opportunity to be on and, uh, I hope you have a a great rest of the college football season and, uh, holler anytime. Uh, love, love what you guys are doing. And, uh, it's been fun.
0: And, uh, just to send you off here. Oh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's still an Alabama fan, man, man. Look,
2: I, I, uh, my, the band director in my high school dotted the I. And so I feel wow. like I've heard that for, for an inordinately long p- part of my life. And, uh, and so, uh, no, no, thank you. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to stick with roll tide. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks fellas. Appreciate it. Have, Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Well, that was, uh, one of the greatest conversations we've ever had on the show.
1: Can do? Do you want me to say it? Because if I don't, you are. I O, beat you no. to it. No, man, what, what a great <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, we we nailed this one, dude. Perfect. <laughs> uh, I don't really have much else to add here. Um, I know we didn't really talk about the prospects to watch. I will hit that next time, but we wanted to keep it down to about an hour 15, which we've just hit right now. So nailed it. Uh, But if we have any links to shout out, I'll hand it over to you, Tug. I know we're going to throw them in the description, but if we want to shout anything in particular. I will shout it out, but I'm also, also going to give a game update. Uh, It is currently
1: 1713 Seattle. The Broncos are driving. You've got, uh, Four minutes left in the third. I'm currently up by one point in my fantasy matchup, um, and I'm facing both Rashad Penny and Melvin Gordon. It is not looking good, but overall, the game is good. It's looking like you're in for a rough
0: Monday Night Football.
1: Hey, I will, I will take three fantasy victories and one loss any day of the
0: week. I mean, just fair. sucks that this fact, is my money league the fact that you're in four leagues and doing as well as you are is pretty
1: impressive. Not going to well, lie. Well, part of that's part of that's thanks to you, man. You, you drafted one of my teams.
0: Very true. You're welcome. All
1: right. But we do have <laughs> some links. Um, guys, <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, I, I love everybody who watches this, this show with us. Uh, but what I need you to do to make our YouTube link so very much easier is go on to YouTube, <clears throat> hit subscribe, Turn off the bell right now. Like, just, just hit subscribe. I need the subscribers. <laughs> um, So the YouTube one will definitely be in the description below, but I will not shout it out because I will be here for five minutes reading it. Um, the rest of our links, we have patreon.com slash BDT football, twitter.com slash BDT football, facebook.com slash BDT football, instagram.com slash BDT underscore football, BDT our email mailbox at bdtfootball.com. And then, of course, if you're watching us live, you have our Twitch, twitch.tv slash bdtfootball. I'm sorry, twitch.tv slash big dudes in the trenches, all one
0: word. Yes. I we'll, almost we'll confused myself. There <laughs> just think BDT football. You can find us almost anywhere. If you're having trouble, look in the podcast description. Yeah.
1: And if you're still having trouble, just hit us up on our email.
0: True. True.
1: And do you have any last parting shots, Doug? Before I take us out of here,
0: um, I really don't think so. Other than, oh, I O, thank you, thank you.
1: You're welcome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that is all the time we have on the show today. Thank you for watching or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win in the training.